So today uh, I'm going to be talking about a woman um, called Hadassah. Um, one of the books of the Bible is named after her, uh, and it's the only book in the Bible where the name of God is not mentioned at all. Uh, any ideas? Ezra. Well done. <laughs> you just Google that good. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, Hadassah was her Hebrew name, um, but you know her better by her Persian name, which was Esther. Sorry to disappoint you, but there's another book where the name of God's not mentioned. I'll let you find that out. Oh, right, okay. So I've been given some homework now. Thanks, kids. <laughs> so um, the story of Esther, I, I mean, it's a good one. Another good one. There's lots of drama, there's intrigue, there's action. But, but here's the thing, and it's true of a lot of these ancient characters that we might uh, study. We actually don't know a lot about them. Um, even though we've got ten chapters in the book of Esther compared to the two chapters that we had on Deborah last week, we don't know that much about them. And we do need to read between the lines sometimes to understand what they did and why. And when you read between the lines... You have to be very careful. You have to accept that there is a risk of coming to the wrong conclusion and reading too much into the situation that was never intended. And with Esther, I found it particularly difficult. And I'm, not, I'm still not sure whether I like her or not. <laughs> okay? Um, so, uh, I mean, I, I remember... I, I maybe that's shocking, but let me just you know, tell you that you, know, you might agree by the end. Uh, and I do remember, and I can't remember who it was, but I remember listening to a ministry from a very eminent brother, which is why I was shocked. Uh, and uh, he said that he thought the only person who came out of the book of Esther with any credibility was, was Queen Vashti. So he, this eminent brother dissed everybody else in the whole of the book. Um, so I'll let you decide whether you agree with that. But let's just remember that these are stories about real people. You know, we live in a fallen world where even the best of us are influenced by sin. So we shouldn't really expect any of God's heroes, so to speak, um, to be absolutely perfect. One thing um, that we should keep in mind, though, um, and... Perhaps the main thing that we can take from the story, which is without doubt, is that God does use people, good and bad, together with political events and all sorts of circumstances to achieve his purposes. And we go right back to Genesis 2. When it comes to the Jews, we might remember that God made a promise to Abraham, or Abraham as he was at the time, that he would make him into a great nation. And he said that he would bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And I think the events that we're going to think about today are just one of the many examples we have of when God kept that promise, watching over his people and delivering them from their enemies. Now, as I said, the book of Esther is 10 chapters long. Um, so I got away with it last week in editing the Bible. So um, I'm going to do the same um, today. And what I've done is I've prepared an extract from the book, um, which is more or less word for word if you want to read it yourself. And I would say it is a good read, you know, read, read the whole book. Um, but I have condensed it into what I think is not going to take too long. But I think we do need to read it. You know, we, need, we need to read the story or we're not going to be able to learn anything from it. So if you're sitting comfortably, then I'll begin. In... The third year 
of the reign of King Xerxes, he gave a banquet. For 180 days he displayed the vast wealth of his kingdom and the splendour and the glory of his majesty. On the seventh day, when he was high in spirits from wine, he commanded the Queen Vashti be brought before him so he could display her beauty to the people. But Queen Vashti refused, and the king became furious and burned with anger. What must be done to Queen Vashti, he asked. The king's attendants proposed, let him issue a royal decree that Vashti is never again to enter the presence of the king, and let a search be made for beautiful young virgins. Let the young woman, woman who pleases the king be queen instead of Vashti. Now in the citadel of Susa, there was a Jew named Mordecai. He had a cousin named Hadassah, whom he had taken as his own daughter when her father and mother died. This young woman, also known as Esther, had a lovely figure and was beautiful. When the king's order was proclaimed, many young women were brought to the palace and put under the care of Hegai. Esther was one of those taken. And she pleased Hegai and won his favour. But she did not reveal her nationality and family background because Mordecai had forbidden her to do so. When a woman's turn came to go into King Xerxes, she would go in the evening and then in the morning return to another part of the harem. She wouldn't return to the king unless he was pleased with her and summoned her by name. When the turn came for Esther to go in, he was attracted to her more than any of the others and she won his favour and approval. So he set a royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Now Mordecai sat at the king's gates and he found out about two of the king's officers who had become angry and were conspiring to assassinate the king. But Mordecai told Queen Esther, who in turn reported it to the king, giving credit to Mordecai, and when the report was found to be true, the officials were executed. Later on, after these events, King Xerxes honoured Haman the Agagite, elevating him and giving him a seat of honour higher than all the other nobles. All the royal officials knelt down and paid honour to Haman as the king had commanded, but Mordecai would not kneel down or pay him honour. When Haman saw this, he was enraged, and having learned who Mordecai's people were, he scorned the idea of killing only Mordecai. Instead, Haman looked for a way to destroy all Mordecai's people, the Jews throughout the whole kingdom of Xerxes. <coughs> Haman said to King Xerxes, There is a certain people dispersed among your kingdom who keep themselves separate. Their customs are different, and they do not obey the king's laws. It is not in the king's best interest to tolerate them. So, dispatches were sent to all the provinces with an order to destroy, kill and annihilate all the Jews, young and old, women and children, on a single day in the month of Adar, and to plunder their goods. A copy of the edict was to be issued as law in every province, so the people of every nationality would be ready for that day. There was great mourning among the Jews, with fasting, weeping and wailing. Many lay in sackcloth and ashes. When Mordecai learned of all that had been done, he tore his own clothes too. When Esther's attendants told her about Mordecai, she was in great distress and sent him new clothes to put on, but he would not accept them. So Esther ordered one of the king's <coughs> eunuchs to find out what was troubling Mordecai. He told him everything and told him to instruct Esther to go into the king's presence to beg for mercy and plead with him for her people. Esther replied, saying that the king has put, 
has but one law for anyone who approaches a king in the inner court without having been summoned, that they be put to death unless the king extends the gold scepter and spares their lives. But 30 days have passed since I was called to the king. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he replied, Don't think that because you're in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. If you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, you may have come to your royal position for just such a time as this. So Esther put on her royal robes and went and stood in the inner court of the palace, in front of the king's hall. The king was sitting on his throne, facing the entrance, when he saw Queen Esther in the court. He was pleased with her and held out to her the gold scepter. She approached and touched the tip of the scepter. Then he asked, what is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be given you. If it pleases the king, replied Esther, let the king, together with Haman, come today to a banquet I've prepared for him. The king said, bring Haman at once, so we may do what Esther asks. Now, for the sake of time, I'm just going to say that Esther actually arranged two banquets, and she wouldn't tell the king what she wanted at the first banquet, and instead asked that he and Haman should come to another banquet um, on, um, on, on the following day. That night... The king couldn't sleep, so he ordered that the book of the Chronicles, the record of his reign, be read to him. It was found how Mordecai had exposed the officers who had conspired to assassinate him. What honour and recognition has Mordecai received for this, the king asked. Nothing has been done for him, they answered. Now Haman was outside, so the king ordered that he be brought in. And when Haman entered, the king asked him, what should be done for the man the king delights to honour? Now Haman thought to himself, who is there that the king would rather honour than me? So he answered, let them robe the man and lead him on the king's horse through the streets, proclaiming, this is what is done for the man the king delights to honour. Go at once, the king commanded Haman, get the robe and the horse and do just as you suggested for Mordecai, the Jew. So Haman got the robe and the horse, rode Mordecai and led him on horseback through the city streets, proclaiming before him, this is what is done for the man the king delights to honour. Afterward, Haman rushed home with his head covered in grief. His advisers and wife said to him, since Mordecai is a Jew, you cannot stand against him. You will surely come to ruin. So all that happened between the first and the second banquets, then the story goes on, the king and Haman went to Queen Esther's second banquet, and as they were drinking wine, the king asked Queen Esther, What is your petition? Then she answered, If I have found favour with you, your majesty, and if it pleases you, grant me my life, and spare my people, for I and my people have been sold to be destroyed, killed and annihilated. He asked her, Who is he? Where is he, the man who has dared to do such a thing? Esther said, an adversary, an enemy, this vile Haman. Then Haman was terrified before the king and queen. The king got up in a rage, left his wine and went out into the palace garden. For Haman 
realising that the king had already decided his fate, stayed behind to beg Queen Esther for his life. Just as the king returned, Haman was falling on the couch where Esther was reclining, and the king exclaimed, Will he even molest the queen while she's with me in the house? As soon as the word left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face, took him away, and impaled Haman on the pole that he'd set up for Mordecai. That same day, King Xerxes gave Queen Esther the estate of Haman. Also, Mordecai came into the presence of the king. For the Jews, it was a time of happiness and joy, gladness and honour. In every city to which the new edict of the king came, this is one that gave them permission to attack their enemies instead, there was joy and gladness among the Jews, with feasting and celebrating, and many people of other nationalities became Jews because of fear of the Jews had seized them. The Jews struck down all their enemies with the sword, killing and destroying them, and they did what they pleased to those who hated them. The number of those killed was reported to the king, who said to Queen Esther, The Jews have killed and destroyed 500 men and the 10 sons of Haman in the city of Susa alone. What more could they have done in the rest of the king's provinces? Now, do you have another petition? It also will be granted. And uh, Esther replied, If it pleases the king, give the Jews in Susa permission to carry out this day's edict tomorrow also and let Haman's ten sons be impaled on poles. And so, uh, all of that was done, and chapter 9 goes on to talk about the Feast of Remembrance that was established, and still practised today. And then in chapter 10 it concludes, a very short chapter, about the greatness of Mordecai, how the tables um, were turned. He became uh, second only to Xerxes uh, himself. So... Um, a dramatic story, like I said. Heroes and villains, a plot to annihilate the Jews, sounds familiar, um, and their deliverance through the forced marriage of a young Jewish orphan to the king of Persia. There's a, there's a lot going on in the story. Let's think about some of the other characters in the story first, because these were the people in Esther's life. Um, these are the people that she lived with or lived around. Um, so before we focus on Esther, I'd just like to say a little bit about these other people because these are the people who may, to varying degrees, have influenced her, her actions. First, we have Xerxes. So he was powerful, vastly wealthy, <laughs> and used to having his every word um, obeyed you know, immediately. He was also unpredictable, easily angered, and clearly, with a huge harem, he was a man who viewed women just as possessions. And although Esther seems to have won his affections more than any of the other women, we should just remember that Vashti and Esther and all the other um, women in the harem were essentially just sex slaves. You know, they were in slavery. Then we have Haman, the Agagites. So he also was very powerful and wealthy, um, not in the same league as Xerxes, of course, by any means, but um, after um, Xerxes promoted him, he became even more powerful and wealthy um, and even more proud and egotistical. And Haman was a ruthless monster, as we would refer to him today, I think, if the things that he did or tried to do happened in history today, he would just be described in all of the media as 
a monster. They don't use that word often, but I think that's the way they would describe him. Someone who tried to exterminate the whole Jewish race because of his hatred for one man. He's also a bit of a fool. And pride became his downfall, didn't he? And he didn't see it coming. He fell easily into Esther's trap. Mordecai, I think, is a difficult person to read. Um, he was either a devout Jew with a confident faith in God, um, or perhaps he was just someone who knew his history and had a patriotic belief in the ability of the Jews to survive. Um, either way, I think he was an ambitious man. Um, he already sat in the king's gates, uh, so we can see that he'd already risen to a very prominent position, and maybe it was to avoid jeopardising his career that he hadn't really been very open about the fact that he was a Jew. Not many people knew it. And when it was reported to Haman that he was a Jew, it, it seems that Haman was actually quite surprised. He didn't know that before. And why was um, Mordecai so keen for Esther to do well in the, um, in the Queen auditions, <laughs> so to speak? You know, why did he tell her to keep quiet about her Jewishness? Was he thinking that if Esther became queen, it would be good for the Jews? Or did he just see an opportunity to enhance his own importance and influence? I'm not sure. We know that Mordecai had brought Esther up after her parents had died, and clearly she was very fond of him, very con concerned about him, um, and we're told that she only ever did exactly what Mordecai said, which might have been um, an indicator of how much she loved and respected him, or maybe it just suggests that Mordecai was very controlling. Um, he certainly didn't give her very much choice when he wanted her to risk her life by going to the king uninvited. And although he said that if she didn't want to help, you know, if she couldn't help, then help you know, would come from somewhere else, don't worry. He also said, oh, and by the way, if you do that, you and your family will die. Um, he didn't really give her a choice um, about the mission he'd, uh, he'd given to her um, at all, did he? And in chapter 9, which we haven't um, read, it talks about the fear of Mordecai falling on the people and the greatness of Mordecai. Quite a, a reputation, isn't it, for anyone to have? So I do wonder whether Mordecai might have been more like Haman than Mordecai would have liked to admit to himself. He resented the honour that the king, king had given to Haman. He refused to show him the respect that um, Haman deserved for his position. And this is different from some of the examples in the Bible where people, you know, God's people refused to bow down and worship people who demand it. This was... Haman just demanded a bit of respect and honour. Uh, and, and, and later on in Mordecai's life, when he became number two to Xerxes, you can be sure that he was given plenty of honour and respect to Xerxes. So I think this was just about jealousy and him resenting uh, the honour that, uh, that, that, that Haman had been given. Um, and let's not forget that it was Mordecai's stubbornness over this that almost led to the annihilation of the Jews. So, you know... He doesn't cover himself in glory in this story, I don't think, Mordecai. Or maybe all of that is a little bit harsh. Um, maybe he was just an ordinary person, an ordinary sinner like you and me, um, a man with some very good points along with some slightly more dodgy um, aspects of his character, and they all sat within the same man, 
just like the Apostle Paul said about himself when he talked about the conflict within, how good and bad were within the same person, the battle of, of, of two natures. Maybe that's just what Mordecai was, an ordinary person, and we can criticise him um, just like we could criticise anyone. But let's talk about Esther now. She was young and beautiful, and it seems like, in the words of the old um, song by a band that some of you may not know, but I used to like H2O, um, she was a man-eater. Well, <laughs> in the sense that she certainly knew how to get her way around men, um, to wrap them around her little finger. She was clever, and she was resourceful. Um, don't forget, that the, I mean, I didn't read the, 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 the whole story about the two banquets and what was said and how she did it all, but it was a clever plan. And Mordecai didn't give it to her. She came up with all of that on, 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 on her own. Um, and there was flattery as well. She knew how to flatter. Uh, again, we didn't read this bit, but when the king asked her, she said, oh, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have bothered you at all. Um, King Xerxes, if it was only slavery that my people had been sold into, because you're far too important to be bothered just over the mere slavery of my people. It's only because they're going to be killed that I'm bothering you at all. And she really knew how to, to flatter um, Xerxes about how important um, he was. Um, and I don't think we should regard her as a, some sort of young, innocent girl, because I think she could be quite ruthless as well um, when she wanted to be. Not just in the way that she stitched Haman up, but when she also um, asked for Haman's sons who were already dead, this is after they'd been killed, she then asked if they could be impaled on poles. So there seemed to be a certain ruthlessness and vindictiveness that came um, along with, with Esther. Uh, and of course, the bit I did read, when she was asked, given the chance of having a second petition, um, she asked if the people in her hometown could have another day of killing, another day of killing and attacking their enemies. Um, so, you know, I'd say she's, she's, she's not the, uh, the young, innocent flower that, um, that yeah, we might like to think um, she was as someone in the Bible with a whole book named after her. And also, just while I'm, while, while I'm on a roll, I'm not sure if it was vanity, but when she and Mordecai made it law that all of this should be remembered forever, um, the annual Feast of Purim that the Jews still keep today, they must have known that their central role in it all you know, would be the focus of that remembrance. You know, a lot of people would give anything to have their names written in history, even more so to have a law which forces everyone to remember them forever. So was it an abuse of power? to do that, to create that law? Was it just to increase their fame? Or was it just in the spirit of many of the other Jewish feasts which helped them remember their history? Like I said at the beginning, we can try to read between the lines, but we have to be very careful and we can only speculate about some of this stuff. One thing that we do know is that having been forcibly taken into the harem, Esther made the best of the situation. And she made the best of her position of, um, when she became queen. Um, and she was willing to risk it all. Willing to risk it all because of the threat that Haman posed to her people and herself. And although it might have been slightly self-serving because, as I say, her own life was also in danger, 
I bet that if you looked at any good person and examined their motives critically, like I said before, there's bad in all of us. And we're all sinners. And even the most apparently selfless act of charity, even the, the greatest act of kindness that you might hear about of one person doing to another, even something like that, it can always be questioned. There's nearly always something in it for the person doing the giving. Recognition, appreciation, reciprocation, or even just the feel-good factor that psychologists say you know, that we're all addicted to. There's always, a, there's always a bad motive if you want to twist it and spin it. So I think we need to be maybe a little kinder. I need to be a little kinder to, um, to Mordecai. I don't think any of us would want our lives um, under the microscope. Although, of course, that will happen to us one day, won't it? The judgment seat of Christ that I mentioned last <coughs> week. A time when secrets will be revealed. When everything will be out in the, in, in, in the open. Our motives will be exposed. Our whole lives assessed for good and bad. So let's not say anything bad about Esther and see what we can learn from the story. Firstly, we know that God was in it. Definitely. Not just because we know the promise that he made to Abraham and that it is inconceivable that he would allow the Jews to be wiped out because of the threat that, um, that Haman um, had made, um, but because there were other things going on in this story um, that Mordecai and Esther had absolutely no control over and yet they all contributed to the, to the final outcome. We have the, the king being unable to sleep, we have his request for the official record to be brought to him in the middle of the night so he could read it. And that's where he found the reminder of Mordecai's service um, from the past. And was it a coincidence, that thing in the past anyway, that Mordecai found out about those two officers who were going to assassinate the king? Um, and was it a coincidence that Haman was just outside the room when this was being talked about with Xerxes? And Haman was brought in to make the recommendation of what should be done for the person that the king wants to honour. Because if it hadn't been Hagen, um, Haman, uh, Mordecai wouldn't have got the whole horse down the streets treatment, would he? You know, he only got that because Haman thought he was planning his own celebration and, and, and honour. But I think it was because Mordecai was honoured so much in all of that, together with his relationship to Queen Vashti, that led to him becoming second in the kingdom. So there's quite a lot of coincidences sort of coming together there. And also, although the name of the Lord um, isn't mentioned anywhere in this book, um, I think that the um, response of the people to the threat and also the request that Esther made that they should fast. Well, fasting is very often associated with prayer, um, nearly always. Um, in, in the Bible. So I think it's quite possible that the fasting and the sackcloth um, was accompanied with prayer and it was the Jews repenting and crying out to God as they'd done so many times before. And that's why God's discipline features so much in, in the Old Testament because it was often the only way that God could get his people to come back to him after they, after they, 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 turned, their back on, they, they turned their back on God. And so if we give Mordecai the benefit of the doubt, perhaps we should view his words to Esther um, 
about another deliverer being raised up if she didn't help. As not some sort of manipulative sort of, you know, you know, um, there is another, you know, there, there would be another deliverer, but you, you'll die sort of ultimatum kind of thing. I think it was actually a genuine belief by Mordecai that if Esther didn't help, that he could place his confidence in the covenant-keeping God, that he would ultimately look after them somehow. So on balance, I think the motives and ambitions of Mordecai and um, Esther are no more questionable than, than, than any of our motives and, and, and ambitions. But alongside that, they did have a trust in God, I believe. And they made the best out of the circumstances that they were in. And as I said at the beginning, I think one thing that we can be sure of from this story is that God uses people, good and bad, and all sorts of circumstances to achieve his purposes. And so I think there is a personal encouragement for us in this. We should always look for something that we can try and apply or imitate or learn in a practical way from these stories, even though they all happened so long ago. And even if they were happening today in the 21st century, you'd think that, you know, like things that go on in king's palaces and stuff like that is kind of like a million miles away from anything that we might get involved in. But I think there is a personal encouragement that we should take the initiative when we see opportunities and recognise that positions of influence that we might naturally feel ourselves wanting to shy away from, but sometimes that they can be very useful to, to what we're about and the things that we would like to influence and achieve. Certainly the Apostle Paul wasn't shy in using his Roman citizenship when he needed it when, he, you know, when, it, when, when it suited him. And we may well have opportunities in work and school or our local neighbourhoods or in the various roles and responsibilities that we might be called to where we can influence policies, influence behaviour, have opportunities to share the gospel, opportunities to promote Christian values and um, the Lord Jesus. And sometimes we might feel ourselves as totally inadequate for that kind of work and we might want to shy away from it um, and just keep our heads down like Esther, I think, might have preferred. Um, and it's true that God probably doesn't have great works like he had for Esther um, for all of us. But I think that the words that Mordecai said to Esther, I think they do apply to all of us, or they can apply to all of us, because remember he said to Esther um, that, you know, that you, you, know, you may be where you are, you know, you may have been come to this royal position for just this purpose. So maybe like Esther, God has got one big thing for all of us to do. Or maybe he's got lots of little things for all of us to do, which are also important. Or maybe both. Maybe in the works that he's prepared in advance for all of us, there's a whole range of things, big and small, all of them important to his purposes. And like Esther... Uh, or unlike Esther, really, we should be willing to take risks and, and do the things that uh, we feel God wants us to do without, you know, without, without it needing there to be a gun to our head before we're willing, we're willing to do that. And if we are willing, and if we do take risks, I think the thing we can learn from the book of Esther is that God will use us. He uses people despite their weaknesses. Mm -hmm.